Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Welcome, welcome, welcome Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Thursday, February 25th 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Glad you could be here. I'm I'm at Rolla J Studios, but I'm working off of the remote laptop today because I'm having a major Dropbox problem. Uh, Dropbox on two or three different machines. Everything got resynced and messed up, and somehow I lost a lot of my archives. And I'm having to reinstall, and ah, what a mess it is. So I've got the main studio machines shut down, the 420 radio server shut down. I'm getting everything fixed on that side. So. Had to turn to the laptop to do today's show. So interesting to be at the home studio, but working on the remote studio. But uh, that's the way it goes here. We are completely remote. And speaking of being remote, tomorrow we will be live on the road in Fort Worth, Texas. I'll be attending the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. Here's an interesting little factoid. Uh, the conference takes place on Saturday and Sunday. Friday, tomorrow, the day, the day before the event... That same building is holding a Donald Trump rally in Fort Worth, Texas. So I'm going to take the recorder and the camera out to see if I can speak to some Donald Trump supporters and get their take on marijuana legalization. What do they think their candidate ought to do about marijuana? So uh, tune into tomorrow's show. I hope to have some clips from that. Uh, and if I can't get them on tomorrow's show, I might have to wait until Monday's show. But we'll get you some Donald Trump live clips from Fort Worth, Texas. Should be very, very interesting. Coming up on today's show, we've got a great guest for you in our Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment. Randy Long will be joining us. He's a former Crown prosecutor, a federal prosecutor in Canada. So we'll get a, a look at Canadian politics and ask him about the recent decision, the Allard decision up there in Canada that has affirmed the right of medical marijuana patients to cultivate their own medicine. Big thanks to our friend Kirk Tussaw, the uh, lawyer up there who managed to get that taken care of. Kirk's been a guest in my home and a longtime supporter of the show, so glad to see that he's having some success against prohibition up there. Also on today's show, we're going to go behind the headlines and we're going to take a look at Arizona's campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol also known as CRIMLA. It's the MPP initiative for legalization there. And there's been some question as to whether or not it protects the rights of people to home grow from any city that might want to try to ban that. We're going to sort through that and figure out exactly what's going on there with that Arizona initiative. In drug war data mining today, we've got this study that a lot of people are referring to today coming out of Colorado that shows that emergency room visits among tourists to Colorado for cannabis have doubled over the past year. More people going to the ER, more newbies from out of state going to the ER. We'll talk about that. We'll tell you what the stats are and why we really don't need to uh, be thinking about that so much. It's not really as big a deal as the media is trying to portray. Also on the show, we'll have time for a radical rant. 
We're going to talk about a recent bill, Senate Bill 1551 here in Oregon, that looks to begin the merging of our recreational and our medical marijuana systems. I'm going to explain why that's actually a good idea and challenge anyone out there to tell me why we should try to keep them separate. A lot of people do want to keep them separate, but uh, I think there's some uh, hidden agendas for the reasons why they want to keep the system separate. So that's coming up right after our cannabis radio news in the headlines today. We've got news coming out of Vermont where legalization continues to move forward in their state Senate. We've got Utah moving forward on medical marijuana. Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo taking place this weekend. A bill for Michigan for roadside saliva testing and Lego looking into hemp. All that coming this up next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, February 25th, 2016. The Vermont Senate gave final approval to a bill Thursday, 17 to 12, that would end marijuana prohibition in the state and regulate the cultivation and sale of marijuana for adult use. S-241 received initial Senate approval on Wednesday. It will now advance to the House of Representatives, which will begin working on it after members return from town meeting week. S-241 would make it legal for adults 21 years of age and older to possess up to one ounce of marijuana and establish a tightly controlled system of licensed marijuana cultivation sites, testing facilities, and retail stores. It would also create a commission to examine issues such as edible marijuana production and home cultivation, which would not be allowed under the bill. It would remain illegal to consume marijuana in public or drive under the influence of marijuana, if approved, rulemaking would begin this summer, but the new law would not take effect until January of 2018. 
A recent poll found 55% of Vermonters support passing a law to legalize and regulate marijuana for adult use. Only 32% said they were opposed. Utah state senators gave preliminary approval on Monday to a medical marijuana proposal that would legalize edible, vapor, and topical pot products. Lawmakers voted 15 to 13 to advance the bill, saying the measure could help those with certain debilitating conditions who have not found relief through other medications. Bill sponsor Senator Mark Madsen, a Republican of Eagle Mountain, said the plan would allow tens of thousands of residents of those with medical conditions to use the drug, but would ban smoking it. Madsen expects a final Senate vote Tuesday. If approved, the measure must still be passed by Utah's House of Representatives. The vote took place on the same day the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints softened its stance on Madsen's proposal. While stopping short of endorsing it, the church said added restrictions to the plan late last week were substantial improvements. More than 6,000 people are expected at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo this weekend when it takes over the downtown convention center in Fort Worth. Presenters include Montel Williams, former NFL stars, doctors, advocates, and veterans like Roger Martin. Although Texas now permits limited medical marijuana use, some people say the state continues to lag behind others. Local ABC affiliate WFAA profiled Alexis Bortel last year, a young Texas girl forced to relocate with her family to Colorado after they couldn't legally use the cannabis oils needed to help control her epileptic seizures. Bortel will be a featured speaker on day two of the Fort Worth conference. Late Wednesday, organizers issued a news release pointing out that presidential candidate Donald Trump would be speaking in the same place one day earlier on Friday. A bill designed to help catch more people driving under the influence of drugs would treat people like guinea pigs, an attorney opposed to the legislation says. The bill, which passed the Michigan Senate last month, would allow the Michigan State Police to run a pilot program in five counties to conduct roadside saliva testing for cocaine, marijuana, heroin, and other drugs. Attorney Neil Rockend, founder of the Southfield-based criminal defense law firm Rockend Law, said he opposes the bill and calls the proposed testing bad science, adding, quote, People are not guinea pigs. No citizen should be the subject of a test program when their liberty and way of life are on the line, end quote. The program would cost local and state law enforcement agencies a combined total between twenty and $30,000, the fiscal report states, and a major cost would be the purchase of the swab tests, which can range in price from 250 to $700. The bill is currently in the Michigan House Judiciary Committee. Lego is looking for a sustainable alternative to petroleum-based plastic. Hemp might be the answer. Lego wants to switch the material it uses to make its trademark toy bricks beloved by children around the world. The company currently uses plastic resin, but by 2030, it wants to be using a more environmentally conscious and cost-effective material, according to a Plastics News report. Lego's senior project manager Alan Rasmussen told Plastic News that the new material must be able to form bricks that are indistinguishable from the current plastic-made bricks. Hemp actually makes an ideal base material for manufacturing plastic because of its high cellulose content. Lego uses more than 6,000 tons of petroleum plastic to make its bricks every year. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, February 25th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. 
the Boober way. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce 10 times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at the state of Arizona, one of five states that are fighting for marijuana legalization in the upcoming ballot for 2016. Four of those states, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine, are all being backed by the Marijuana Policy Project, uh, and they are branding their campaigns as CRIMLA, the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol. And Phoenix New Times is reporting a story as to whether or not the CRIMLA initiative in Arizona would allow cities to ban home cultivation. Under the initiative, it's proposed that adults would be able to grow up to six plants with a 12 plant per household maximum. So you and your wife could cultivate 12 plants in your home, but 12 would be the max. And the, the controversy here is whether or not the language of the initiative gives local control to cities and counties to be able to ban people's personal indoor gardens of six to 12 plants. Ryan Hurley, he's a lawyer for CRIMLA, says the cities cannot ban home growing. But Tom Dean, who's a lawyer representing Arizonans for Mindful Regulation, which is a competing initiative, says the opposite. He says it does allow municipalities to stop adults from home cultivation. And adding to this confusion is a CRIMLA supporter, a criminal political director named Carlos Alfaro, who was shown in a video plainly stating that cities can implement the ban. Hurley says that Alfaro was mistaken in that video, but it has stoked the fires of this controversy. The people backing Arizonans for mindful re- regulation, uh, that would be your more of your true legalization group. 
uh, backing a separate initiative, grassroots, volunteers, no fundraising, uh, no signature gathering, unlikely to make the ballot. But they are standing up for the right of this home growth, which to them they say would be a deal breaker if cities and counties could ban the home grow. But uh, according to the most recent update on this, we have an update from the League of Arizona Cities and Towns. This is Ken Strobeck, the executive director of the League, who reviewed the initiative. Now, this is the group, and if it's similar to the League of Oregon Cities and Association of Oregon Counties here in Oregon, those are the lobbyist groups for the cities and towns that want to be able to have bans. And the lobbyist, this this guy, Ken Strobeck, the director, says, quote, The short answer is the type of home grow operations that are allowed now under the medical marijuana initiative will continue to be allowed if the act passes. The act clearly states that aside from a few provisions, it does not affect any laws relating to medical marijuana. Anything currently allowed under state law for medical marijuana, 12 plant limit, will still be allowed under the new law. The act also requires the department to promulgate rules, and this new department will likely make those regulations compatible with the medical marijuana laws due to the explicit requirement in the act, end quote. But one major difference is that the CRIMLA lacks the 25-mile halo rule that the medical marijuana side has. In Arizona, under their Medical Marijuana Act, if you live within 25 miles of a dispensary, you are not allowed to home grow. And this is a, you know, was very controversial when it was uh, started in the state of Arizona. A lot of people are looking to this CRIMLA initiative as a way of undoing that medical home grow ban instituted by the 25-mile halo. So the situation would be that your medical grow would still be banned. Your 6 to 12 plant medical grow would still be banned within 25 miles of a dispensary. But your 6 to 12 plant recreational grow could not be banned. But, okay, what difference does it make whether you call it medical grow or you call it recreational grow so long as you're allowed to grow? And that's the point people are making with Kremlin here is that it would not allow this ban. Where people are pointing to this uh, rule within the initiative is where it gives the localities the ability to ban nuisances. Uh, The nuisance regulation, which is written into the CRIMLA, says that municipalities can, quote, restrict the smoking, production, processing, or manufacture of marijuana and marijuana products when it is injurious to the environment or otherwise as a nuisance to a considerable number of persons, end quote. Uh, And Jason Medar, the leader of the Arizonans for Mindful Regulation, says the city councils will lie and say that marijuana growing is a nuisance, even when it clearly is not a nuisance. To me, I would have to defer to the point that an indoor grow, it would be very, very hard to show someone's indoor grow was a nuisance to someone else in the neighborhood. I could see that argument being made for an outdoor grow where the smell of the marijuana plants uh, as they are uh, being cultivated could become overpowering and annoying to people. But I cannot see how this could be used for a inside grow. Uh, Now, 
meat art wants to claim that the smell fertilizers or high powered grow lamps might be used to create some sort of nuisance. But I think that's really grasping at straws here, especially when the Arizona leader of the cities and counties doesn't even think he'll be able to ban. mf I want more iced tea. Well, okay, Mr. O'Reilly. Well, we'll make sure you get your iced tea. Hey, folks, it's 420 in Denver, Colorado right now. Mountain Time Zone getting its 420 break on. I hope you're able to get your 420 break on. And if not, we're fighting to make it legal in your home state as soon as we possibly can. We'll be back with some drug war data mining out of Colorado. Pot ER visits by newbies are up. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Welcome back to the Drug War Data Mines. Today, we are taking a look at a report coming out of Westward in Denver, Colorado. It's their uh, weekly that they, uh, their independent weekly. And the headline here is Pot Tourist Visits to One ER Doubled After Marijuana Legalization, Study Says. This uh, refers to a study in the New England Journal of Medicine that points out how marijuana tourists uh, aren't exactly ready for what's happening when they come into Colorado and get their shot at some herb for the first time in years and years and years and points to the necessity for us to do better on our on our education for these folks so that we can avoid some of these terrible stories. Let's go to the the stats first of all. And uh, what we find here is that the emergency room visits for 
the visitors to Colorado nearly doubled while the stats for those uh, visitors that uh, or for those Coloradoans who uh, are longtime residents uh, never changed. So let's take a look at this. According to this one hospital, the University of Colorado Hospital in Aurora, in 2012, there were 54 emergency room visits for cannabis in 2013 that went up to 85 and in 2014 it's up to 168 now they've provided other drugs for comparison's sake here cocaine and methamphetamines were at 35 in 2012 they stayed at 35 for amphetamines for 2013 and increased to 57 for 2014 likewise cocaine's gone up from 35 in 2012 to 57 in 2014. So we have a situation where both Coke and speed have also gone up now, not to the same extent that the cannabis ER visits have gone up, but we've seen those gone up, go up as well. Opioids, including heroin have increased from 58 up to 76. So a slight increase there. The Colorado hospital association also took a look at their uh, hospital visits and their numbers go back to 2011 but let's take 2012 just to be uh, making an apples to apples comparison here. In 2012, there were 78 visits for cannabis. In 2014, there were 163. So again, uh, more than doubling in that respect. The cocaine visits actually went down for other hospitals, 63 in 2012, down to 43 in 2014. Amphetamines up from 62 to 94. Opioids, including heroin, down slightly from 78 down to 76. So the clear trend here for the out-of-state visitors would be this increase in cannabis-related emergency room visits. But I think this is actually, in a sense, good news. One reason why this is good news is that we are finally seeing people that have difficulties with uh, difficulties with their... Uh, ingestion of cannabis and now aren't afraid to go talk to the ER doctors or to go to the hospital when they are having that difficulty under prohibition. These people would be afraid to be, to go to the ER, to talk to a doctor, to let everyone know that they are a cannabis consumer. So we are making progress in this respect that people are no longer fearing the chance of arrest as something to prevent them from getting the sort of medical care that they are going to need. We're also finding that indeed some people, especially newbies, let's call them newbies coming into the state do need to get a little bit better educated with respect to marijuana and the effects that it might have on them. I think part of this can be traced to the problem that we've got when it comes to the uh, lack of places for people to be able to consume cannabis. There's no public consumption. And so when a tourist comes into town, they can't consume in their hotel and uh, they can't uh, consume in any clubs. So the only option left for them is to try an edible and people that don't have a lot of experience with the edibles can be very, very, uh, can very easily find themselves ingesting far too much. It's important that we teach them that when it comes to edibles, you've got to start low 
and go slow. It's going to take an hour to an hour and a half before you start to feel any, effect, feel any effects. And that a 10 milligram serving can be more than enough for someone who doesn't have much experience with cannabis. We're also finding some people that have had previous experience with cannabis overestimating what they can what they can handle when they come back to it. Somebody who hasn't smoked cannabis in a long time, 20, 30 years, is going to be used to a, a lower grade of cannabis, a, a lower uh, potency of cannabis. And if they're coming from those days and then trying to say, you know, take a dab, they're going to find themselves in a very, very awkward position, possibly passing out and maybe facing some sort of anxiety or paranoia from the heavy dose that they'll be getting that they are in no way ready for. So these statistics show me that we need to do a better job of educating people, especially out-of-state visitors, and we need to keep fighting for some sort of indoor consumption license, some sort of pot lounge. So when newbies do come to town, they can be they can be surrounded by locals who know what they're doing and can pick up some of the tips and tricks. Friends don't let friends over-medicate. All right, folks, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Cops Say Legalize Drugs will be talking with Randy Long from Canada right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us.
One of the most disturbing elements of the Prohibition War is how it's made police the enemy of otherwise law-abiding cannabis consumers. Fortunately, one group of police officers knows the futility of Prohibition and reaches out to educate the community and current law enforcement. Today, the Russ Belleville Show visits with another speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition with one clear message. Cops say legalize drugs. Welcome back, everybody, and time for us for our Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment. And for today's segment, we're going to be going to Canada, where we are going to get Randy Long on the line. He is a former Crown Prosecutor with uh, the federal government in Canada, and there's so many developments that we've seen recently in Canada with some court cases. Let's go to the phone line here and see if we can get him on the line. We're trying to reach Randy Long. Are you there, Randy? It's not Randy, but I'll check for you. Can I say who's calling? Yes, this is the Russ Belville Show. We have an interview with him scheduled. Just a moment, please. Thank you very much. So we'll get Randy here on the line in just a second. He's uh, working at a business law firm right at the moment. Obviously have to get through some of the uh, reception desks there. The most recent decision in Canada, of course, the Allard decision. Lawyer Kirk Tussaw, friend of the show. Hey, Russ, are you there? Hello, Randy. This is Russ. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. I forgot all about you. I know. We were scheduled for a couple weeks ago when we had something come up, but I'm so glad we got you back on the line. How are you today, sir? I'm doing just great. Good well, to talk to you. Well, I was telling the audience a little bit about your background as a former uh, prosecutor for the federal government there in Canada, and there's so many changes going on in Canada right now, the most recent of which this Allard decision uh, with the Canadian Supreme Court. Can you give us some insight on that and how it helps uh, Canadians? Yeah. it's Well, the, the insight is, is, is no more than uh, I, I think what most people have, other than um, a bit of a shout-out to the two guys, the, the guys being the two lawyers, John Conroy and Kirk Tussaw are uh, two lawyers that uh, are in private practice and have done an amazing amount of work um, advancing the proposition of people's rights to uh, use marijuana. Allard is a situation that essentially, um, oh, to try and make it in brief form, but to try to make it uh, make sense to an American audience as well, we've got much the same kind of uh, frequent tension between courts and legislature, and we don't quite have the same executive structure. But to put it this way, the court decided that the government needed to move on this and to do something. So the court effectively said, look, we're going to give you a break. There's a period of time you guys are going to have to legislate a change. The thing that I particularly liked about it from a legal point of view, not the decision per se, but from a legal point of view, was the court even ordered costs against the government. Wow, that's pretty remarkable. So I thought it was amazing. <laughs> so now we've got a situation where, if I understand it correctly, the medical marijuana patients under Health Canada there in the country have been getting their medicine through mail order exclusively, and now they've got, this has established their right to home grow. Is that, have I narrowed that down well enough? Yes, and more than that, Russ. The thing is, it's gone in a series of 180 degrees, and, and again, what you've got to know in terms of background, we've got a new federal government, and the policy on marijuana has been an absolute 180-degree change. And again, from a conceptual point of view, if you think of the guys who were in before, uh, that is to say the Harper government, think of them as Republican light. Okay. Uh, if you think about the guys who are in currently, 
it's a little bit towards Bernie Sanders, but uh, more towards Hillary Clinton, Democratic mainstream, our liberal, liberal government. Mm-hmm. What used to be in the old regime was people could grow their own, but it was limited to a certain number of plants, and there were various restrictions. The Harper government came in and said, no, 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 none of that, because that's all subject to abuse. And they came up with this regime where we had giant commercial gross shows. Now, what happened as a consequence of that is smart money saw an opportunity, and we've got a tremendous investment right now in infrastructure for major industrial growing operations. The liberals aren't sure what they're going to do, and the court has turned around and said, People have a right to grow their own. So it is very much up in the air right now with, I think, some pretty strong pressure on the Liberals being our existing federal government to listen to the court, factor it in. Now, when you take that and put in the final factor, which is the Liberals, that is to say the federal government, are right now looking at what to do with marijuana decriminalization, and it's kind of black box and we're working on it, uh, it's going to be pretty amazing. It's, it is pretty amazing. And I'm wondering about your experience as a prosecutor. Were you working uh, during the Harper administration? No, fortunately, I was out. I okay. was uh, I was active with uh, previous administrations, a little more enlightened. And uh, um, I, I would not have done well uh, in the Harper administration <laughs> because they took pretty much the Nancy Reagan view of just say no. Um, that would have been a tough one for, for me. But, uh, you know, duty calls. Uh, but fortunately, I was gone. Now, with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau pushing for legalization throughout his campaign, it seems now that he's become elected that maybe there's a little foot dragging. He's mentioning some of the U.N. treaties and maybe kind of trying to temper people's enthusiasm. What do you see for the future of legalization? Is it coming anytime soon for Canada? Well, I think it's coming inevitably. I, I, I think the people are obviously way ahead of it. Um, I think the prime minister and his, his cabinet, uh, the, the people who are uh, involved in the decision-making, again, are going to be many and varied. Uh, but it's coming now. I guess soon is all a, a relative concept. It's how it's going to uh, come is, is really the question. Uh, timing. Uh, there was an announcement by uh, Bill Blair, who's the uh, designated, uh, a former chief of police of Toronto. So when I say he and just the designated guy, um, he's recently come out saying, well, we're going to have to go ahead and just continue to enforce marijuana the way we always did until we sort this out. I don't think that's that's a, a good idea. I think I, I understand from a police perspective why he'd say that. But I think if we're going to take that position, it better be soon. Mm. Now, in your time as a prosecutor, of course, you had to prosecute lots of drug crimes, as they were called uh, at the time. Was it something that you got into feeling, I mean, did you drink the Kool-Aid thinking you'd get, you'd be helping and taking down kingpins and then find out later that, wait a minute, reality didn't match what you were sold? Yeah, you took my story away completely. Uh, absolutely. In, in, in as much as I, I thought I was doing good, I thought I was fighting the, the good fight, and I was particularly keen to go up the chain and to make society a better place and take away the parasites and the bad guys, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I found that wasn't the reality of the situation, particularly if we're just talking about marijuana, but particularly about a, mar um, a marijuana prosecution, that's not what we were seeing. Uh, and that's not the reality. And, and people are now um, aware of that. So I found myself, when doing marijuana uh, prosecution, very, very uncomfortable. And I found myself still, from a law enforcement point of view, looking around at the amount of resource, the level of talent, and I mean real talent in, in our investigators, and I just concluded this is just squandered. It's absolutely a waste of resources. And I got to tell you, inside the tribe, inside the fold, there was a whole lot more of that sentiment than ever was allowed to escape to the outside. Hmm. That's, that's pretty remarkable. And, uh, one thing that is always brought up about uh, the United States war on marijuana is the severe racial disparities we find. Do we find those same kind of statistics in Canada? Not to the extent to which they are in, in the U.S., and I am familiar uh, with it, but make no mistake. Uh, marijuana prosecution disproportionately disadvantages people of limited means um, and uh, differentially uh, disadvantages uh, various ethnic groups. And when I say people of limited means, it's because money uh, is a resource in the justice system, and if you don't have money to fight the good fight in terms of defending yourself, you wind up in a bad way uh, the vast majority of times. So in that sense, yes, you bet there are parallels. We also don't have the same private uh, prison incarceration machine that is in the U.S., but still we have, uh, I think many people feel, too many people in jail, and uh, uh, putting people in jail for marijuana consumption was never ever a good idea. We're speaking with Randy Long, a speaker for Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which has speakers all over the world. You can go to leap.cc or copsaylegalizeddrugs.com. Click on the speakers tab and you'll be able to find a speaker near you. They'll come out and speak to your Rotary Club, your Lions Club, your pep rally, whatever you want, they will come speak for you. And uh, so, Randy, how long have you been with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition? Oh, that's a good one. Um, it's It's got to be six years or thereabouts. I, I first went to a talk at the local university here at the, uh, basically at the suggestion of one of our members of uh, parliament. He came, a Supreme Court judge came and some others. I was able to hear from, uh, at the time, um, uh, our local um, president, uh, who was a serving uh, law enforcement uh, officer in a nearby city. Um, I was most impressed with the message, uh, most impressed with the quality of the people that I've had an opportunity to work with, uh, extremely impressed with the organization. It's a big tent organization, and uh, I've happily been a member ever since. Well, we're so glad that you are a member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and it's pretty remarkable what's happening now uh, in Canada with these uh, changes from the federal courts as well as the election, bringing in a new liberal government. We're always looking forward to uh, more progress and reform in Canada. Uh, the people of Canada uh, generally supporting these reforms as well? Are they showing majority support like we've got uh, from our Gallup polls in America? Oh, unquestionably. I've, I've had the opportunity to, to be on various radio shows and, and various media outlets talking with people, and, and we've all seen the uh, the poll results. The vast majority of people are, are in favor of, of moving forward on this. It's been that way for years. People are 
concerned about keeping a safe community, a positive community. And as long as we can see our way clear to maintaining that, people are very supportive of the changes that are being contemplated. One final question for you. Uh, With the ascendancy of Donald Trump and the Republican Party in America, are you Canadians ready for an influx of uh, American emigrees? Well, I've got to tell you, uh, 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 as, as much as it's never a good thing for a foreigner to say uh, too much about uh, somebody else's politics, let me just repeat that a number of uh, folks have said relative to uh, Governor Walker talking about building a wall on the northern border, I've heard some expressions from Canadians up here that that wall can't be built soon enough. <laughs> well, we hope that wall doesn't end up going up. I've got a lot of Canadian visits still uh, left on my agenda. Uh, Russ, but- it was a joke, purely a joke. We <laughs> love you guys. <laughs> we love you. You're always welcome up here. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and appreciate your service uh, in the uh, Canadian government, in, in their justice system. And uh, are you finding more prosecutors, more people uh, in the government themselves are supporting these reforms? Nope. It's a matter of having to uh, uh, walk the walk, talk the talk, and and toe that line. Um, Our uh, public servants uh, are obliged to be professional and not uh, speak to policy matters, uh, but privately, personally, yeah, there's lots of people who are waiting for this day to come. Randy Long, thanks so much for joining us here on the Russ Belville Show. We look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. Thanks, Russ. All right, folks, stay around. We've got some more coming up for you. The Radical Rant. Looks like Oregon's recreational and medical systems are kind of merging, and I'm going to tell you why that's a good thing. Plus, in Hour 2, special live in-studio guest Ganja John is here, so uh, get here early while I can still form sentences. Be right back after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. We 
must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Welcome back, everyone. 47 after the hour. And in today's rant, we're taking a look at a bill being worked on in the Oregon legislature. It's Senate Bill 1511. And it will allow medical marijuana patients to show their Oregon medical marijuana program card, their OMMP card, at the future recreational marijuana retail shops. They don't exist yet, but they'll get licensed. We'll have them by summer. So they can make tax-free purchases of marijuana and cannabis products. Patients could could shop at a rec shop tax-free. Meanwhile, the bill also extends the temporary early sales program where adults like me can buy marijuana and cannabis seeds and seedlings at the current medical dispensaries to also allow us to purchase cannabis products like edibles and concentrates. So if the bill passes as expected, the result would be two buildings that sell cannabis and cannabis products. One's called a retail shop and it sells to all customers with no taxes charged to OMMP patients. The other one's called a dispensary And it sells to all customers with no taxes charged to OMMP patients. (laughs) The retail shop will get its marijuana and cannabis products from a producer licensed by the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, the OLCC, who then transfers it to an OLCC licensed processor. An OLCC licensed tester will inspect the goods before they are then sold by an OLCC licensed retailer to any adult without taxes if the customer shows an OMMP card. The dispensary, on the other hand, will get its marijuana and cannabis products from a producer licensed by the Oregon Health Authority, OHA, or from patients-designated growers who transfer it to an OHA-licensed processor. An OHA-licensed tester will inspect the goods before they are then sold by an OHA-licensed dispensary to any adult without taxes if the customer shows an OMMP card. Can anyone explain to me the need for this bureaucratic and operational redundancy? I first experienced this dual track marijuana madness in Fort Collins, Colorado. There, I walked into a rec med facility where the first thing you notice is one of those banker ropes separating the room right down the middle. And there's a sign on the pole that points to the left and says medical, and then a sign that points to the right and says recreational. But behind the counter were all the same items. Marijuana, edibles, tinctures, salves, extracts. However... The super silver haze in the jar on the medical side came from a clone of a mother plant tracked on the medical side, while the super silver haze in the jar on the recreational side came from the clone of the mother plant on the recreational side. God. Despite what the Supreme Court said in the Rach V. Gonzalez case, in Colorado and Oregon, marijuana isn't fungible. There's medical marijuana and there's recreational marijuana, even though it's exactly the same strain. It has to be grown and tracked and sold in two separate supply systems. Why? How much overhead does maintaining two redundant systems add to the overall price of marijuana? It seems to me like the Oregon legislature is slowly merging the medical and recreational marijuana systems. 
And considering that medical marijuana was always a temporary measure to get the sick and dying off the battlefield until we ended adult marijuana prohibition, this change seems only logical. If medical marijuana was an exception to criminal prosecution, why must the exception continue in the absence of criminal prosecution? For years, the OMMP evolved to better suit the needs of patients by turning a blind eye to the clone shares and the farmer markets and the fake dispensaries that cropped up. But by 2013, the legislature recognized the situation and legalized the dispensaries and set up a system by which medical growers could sell their patients excess medicine to help stock the dispensaries. But that was a temporary fix for the problem of patient access, not the establishment of an industry for growers. The growers were never supposed to be in this for personal enrichment, remember. Their role was supposed to be that of compassionate caregiver for the sick, merely recouping their expenses for supplies and, later, labor. But now that marijuana is legal in Oregon, the distinction between medical and recreational marijuana isn't as compelling as the distinction between personal and commercial marijuana. For commercial marijuana... I'd prefer if the legislature took all command over the industry from the OLCC and the OHA and created a brand new Oregon Cannabis Regulatory Authority, or OCRA, because I like clever acronyms. OCRA would regulate all commercial growers, commercial processors, commercial wholesalers, commercial testers, and commercial retailers, period. If you're growing pot to sell, you need an OCRA license and you follow OCRA rules. What difference does it make if your end customer is sick or healthy? Why would there need to be different rules for different customers? The fragile health of the patient, perhaps? Okay, then make the safety standards ones that apply to the patients. I'm sure the recreational customers won't mind purer, safer, better labeled products. Now, this might require some sort of micro-business license for the small grower, you know, the one that's currently selling to dispensaries. But so what? If you want to make money selling marijuana, you're a commercial grower, and you should follow the same commercial rules. But if you're growing pot for personal use, you need no license, and you only need to just follow the basic law. What difference does it make if your personal use is to treat an illness, a disability, or boredom on a Saturday night? Now, while okra would run the commercial marijuana industry from seed to sale, there would remain within the Oregon Health Authority a medical marijuana program that maintains a registry of patients with doctor's recommendations for medical use and issues them OMMP cards. That card gets you a tax-free purchase at the okra store. It allows you to purchase more at the okra store, and it gives you greater personal possession and cultivation limits. But what about those western Idaho counties that ban uh, eastern Oregon <laughs> that ban the pot shops but allow the medical dispensaries? Simple. Write a compromise that allows localities to ban adults from shopping at the local okra stores without an OMMP card. But the trade-off is that it requires a minimum amount of okra stores by patient population in every county. And for the ones that won't sell to the adults, let's call them meta okra. They'll be meta okra stores. <laughs> Look, if you can think of a logical reason why we need to maintain two redundant systems for the same flower, just call in and let me know. The phone number is 971-533-7111. Otherwise, thank you, Oregon legislature, for recognizing that marijuana is fungible and redundancy is unneeded. 
And the way I see it, if you maintain this redundancy, all it can possibly do is harm the recreational consumers. First of all, the location of the stores. If they're separate pot shops versus separate dispensaries, and the dispensaries have already got all the prime locations that are a thousand feet away from a school, where does the pot shop locate? Or flip it the other direction. When they start allowing these medical places to turn into pot shops, if all the medical places switch to pot shops, where does the medical-only store locate? No, it's better to just have one kind of store that maximizes the number of locations where anybody could go shop and then allow everyone to shop at those stores. Just give a tax break to the people that are medical marijuana patients. The other downside I see from maintaining a separate sort of system is it provides a way for the legislature to set up rules that discriminate against the recreational consumer, such as you guys can't buy extracts or you can only buy less extracts uh, than the patients or they have to be a lower potency or the recreational customers can't have edibles that are over, say, 100 milligrams in a package or whatever. The more we maintain an artificial distinction between the consumers of marijuana based on how healthy or sick they are, the more opportunities will exist for those who want to discriminate against us to continue with that discrimination of, oh, you're just a pothead. You're not a patient. You're a criminal. You're just a slacker loser. It's time to end that, that false distinction and to provide the same level of respect for consumers of cannabis, no matter why they're consuming cannabis. It doesn't matter if you're consuming it for a sickness, a disability, or just because you like to. It is your right as a human being, my body, my choice. It's your right to be able to use this and no one has the right to discriminate against you because of your use of that. So let's continue moving forward on this. Let's continue with keeping or, or evolving these systems so that medical doesn't become its own industry. If I had to give advice to states out there looking to legalize, it would be to try to get to legalization without going through medical. In every state we've seen that set up a medical system that's turned into an industry, that industry has become an enemy to legalization. We've seen them fight it with Prop 19 in 2010. We saw them fight it with I-502 in 2012. We see them fighting it in, uh, we saw them fighting it in Ohio 2015. And now we're seeing them fight it in California for 2016. These stoners against legalization, many of them are motivated by the status quo, wanting to not upset the apple cart. They like the quasi legalization. It's just legal enough that you're not really worried about getting busted, but still illegal enough that you can charge prohibition prices for it. And what we've seen in Colorado and in, especially in Washington is the crashing of prices right now. I can drive to Vancouver, Washington and pick up a, a half ounce of, of greenhouse grown time wreck for $45. And that's with a 37% tax and a local sales tax attached to that. So there's no logical reason why consumers should be fearing legalization, but every reason why some of these growers and profiteers should be fearing legalization is it's going to cut into their bottom line. And sorry, nobody deserves to make a profit based on the backs of mostly young, mostly poor, mostly black and Latino people having to deal with cops. So let's get this into one system. There's plenty of money for everyone to make out there, but it's not going to be the same $300 an ounce money that you're used to making. All right, we're going to call it for hour one. Thanks for joining us, but stay tuned. we got a very special guest hanging out here. Ganja John is in the studio. 
all sorts of developments happening in Ganja John world. And uh, I got a cute anecdote from Seattle about that, too. So stick around. We're back with Toker Talk Radio. Coming up next, our phone line is 971-533-7111 if you want to call in and say hi. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Rolla J Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now, it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the snoopy, snoopy, poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hour two, Toker Talk Radio in effect. Glad to have you here on CannabisRadio.com. Our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111-7111. Been having some fun of these past couple days. Sorry I missed you yesterday. Yesterday, I had to move all of my stuff out of one storage unit and place it in another storage unit. And there was truck rentals, and there were missed appointments, and there were locked gates, and there were all sorts of little fun hurdles thrown my way. It took me the whole day, but finally, finally, two truck rentals later, <laughs> I managed to get all my stuff moved. And uh, now I am completely mobile. I'm on the road, and this weekend, I will be in Fort Worth, Texas. Starting Friday and staying through Monday, so Tuesday I'll be flying back. But uh, gonna get a feel for the Lone Star State and what's happening at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. I tell you, folks, it's always interesting doing these events in red states. Always great to meet these activists who are still having to fight under 
mostly prohibition. Now, Texas does have one of those CBD oil laws for the little kids with epilepsy. So they've taken, you know, a small, small move forward in recognizing some limited medical use of cannabis. But I'll be in Texas this weekend, and it brings up this post from our friends at Republicans Against Marijuana Prohibition. Now, I think you've been following the show for a while, and you know that I'm no Republican. (laughs) I'm pretty stridently liberal and progressive, right? No doubt about which way I'm leaning. But I like RAMP, and I love Republicans Against Marijuana Prohibition. I think, given what Republicans say they're all about, that it should be they should be the ones leading the cause leading the charge for marijuana legalization. You think about it, right? You know, Democrats tend to be the side of government needs to protect the people and take care of the people and welfare and all that kind of stuff. And you could see Democrats and going through a, a thought process that would say, well, if marijuana is bad for society, we've got to find a way to curb the badness, you know, group think kind of thing. But on the Republican side, it's always about like liberty and freedom and states' rights and individual responsibility and responsible government and smaller size government programs and everything about the war on drugs and specifically marijuana violates all those conservative principles, right? Well, this was the thoughts behind the formation of Republicans Against Marijuana Prohibition. I was there when Ann Lee the mother of Richard Lee, who did Prop 19 in California, uh, I was there when she came up with the idea. She It was a 2000, I think, 11 conference, and she said, I'm going to form Republicans Against Marijuana Prohibition. And this woman, she's she's 84 now, 85, I think. And she's a you know, long-time conservative activist. She's stridently pro-life and, you know, uh, small government and, you know, uh, all, all the typical things you'd think of of, of a... a older Texas conservative woman would be, right? But through her son, Richard, getting in the accident and you know suffering the paralysis, being in a wheelchair and using cannabis medically, she's come to understand that marijuana prohibition is the most unconservative thing you could support. And so she forms this Republicans Against Marijuana Prohibition. Well, now, and, and not now, this is a story from last Wednesday, but the Republican Party of Texas has rejected Republicans Against Marijuana Prohibition's booth at the state party convention in May. Now, the executive director, Ann Lee, I already told you about her, right? She's been a precinct chair for over 40 years. So she's worked in the Republican Party for four decades now as a precinct chair. John Balcom, the political director, is the chairman of the Texas Young Republicans and former president of the Houston chapter. And the treasurer sits on the state Republican executive committee. So there's nothing, you know, these are, this, this isn't, you know, the normal ad booth coming. This isn't the guys from normal that are cannabis activists first. And then, you know, uh, we'll go to this Republican convention. These are Republicans core and core, you know, core to the core who would go to this kind of convention anyway, who happen to support the end of prohibition. And it's not like Ramp brings up a bunch of pot leaves and stuff, and, and they're really about the branding it with the conservative message. So they have this committee for the Republican Party of Texas, and the treasurer who's on that committee, she's on this officials committee, which reviews booth applications. They met in an executive session 
which required a vow of silence. <laughs> All right. There's like a ga- gag order, right? So the treasurer of ramp can't tell the rest of ramp, the rest of her executives, why their booth got denied. And indeed their booth got denied. They've got no explanation as to why their request is denied, which doesn't make a lot of sense because the Republican party of Texas has been pretty welcoming to different sides of debates. They've had opposite sides of the immigration debate. You know, Texas, that's a big, big issue about immigration. They've allowed lobbyists for different causes to be there on the floor for the Texas Republican convention. So there's no legitimate reason to not allow ramp to be at this event other than the typical can of bigotry that happens. And as they explain in their post, this act by the Republican party of Texas signals signals that a significant portion of Republicans, including the vast majority of Republicans under 40 are not welcome or valued. Even if we agree with 99% of what happens to be in the ever-changing Republican Party of Texas platform. That's the other thing is if Republicans want to keep and grow their party and can't read the demographic writing on the wall of how their base is aging and they desperately need to attract young people, Republican millennial Republicans, a majority of them support legalization. You keep discriminating against ramp, just not even letting them talk. And you send a message loud and clear to those younger Republicans. Good luck to Ann Lee and the rest of Ramp. Hope you can uh, push through and get your message out there on the floor. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Eric Holder, who somehow thinks the drug war is over. (laughs) Got to clue him in on a few things right after this. Back in 90 seconds. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. <laughs> From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. 
Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome! Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Day. Just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Creeping up on 12 after the hour here. So, uh, Donald Trump won the uh, Nevada caucus. <laughs> that's, uh, that's three in a row for the Trumpster. After his uh, showing in Iowa, he's won New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. Folks, just just prepare for the uh, eventuality that it's going to be Donald Trump as the nominee for the Republican Party. Now, there's that cynical George Carlin side of me that is thrilled with this development. Because, you know, Carlin's uh, kind of misanthropic thing where he talks about, you know, if you're born in America, you got a front row seat to the to the chaos and the devastation that's about to occur. <laughs> so, yeah. And it reminds me, did you ever see the movie Idiocracy? Mike Judge movie really didn't get um, the attention I thought it deserved. But, uh, yeah, in Idiocracy, they elect a professional wrestler president. And <laughs> so we are... If, if anything, idiocracy is almost starting to look like it was, uh, you know, underselling, <laughs> like it's, you know, uh, just not quite uh, as fast as it was really happening. So yeah, Donald Trump, folks, could be the Republican nominee. And then on the Democratic side, you know, Bernie came close to Nevada, but uh, couldn't break within four and a half points of Hillary. Uh, they're tied in pledge delegates or. She's one ahead, I think. But, of course, she's got all the super delegates, which is, you know, all the party insiders that want her to go on because she'll keep the cash cow flowing, right? She'll uh, she'll keep that uh, politics the way they are the way they are. And that's why they want her, of course. Bernie would upset the apple cart for everybody involved. I really hope it ends up being Bernie versus Trump, okay? I, I really do because... The way I look at it, this is the election of it's the rigged system, stupid. It's the corruption, stupid. We don't trust the Democrats or Republicans anymore. The The Democratic base doesn't trust the Democrats. The Republican base doesn't trust the Republicans. Everybody's bought and sold. and We can see it. And it's just so obvious and, and not even hidden anymore. So to have the sociopathic billionaire versus the anti-corporate socialist in an election. That would just pretty much sum up, you know, which direction is America going to go? And I'd like to see that decision made. Now, I do have to preface everything by saying I have no children, ovaries, or black skin, or gay lovers, right? So I understand why women and minorities and gay folks, this is like, oh my God, this is terrible if Trump's elected and so forth. So yeah, I get those points. But you know, this country just really needs to decide what it's going to be. If we're going to be, you know, Shark Tank, corporate, unlimited capitalism in God we trust money worshipers, then let's elect Trump and let's just get it over with and see what happens. Because I think it will destroy 
America to such a degree that we'll look back on George W. Bush and go, oh, my God, we thought he fucked things up. (laughs) And maybe we just need to get to that. Maybe America needs to hit rock bottom. Maybe we just need to hit rock bottom on this capitalism thing until we realize, look, the economy works however we program it to work. And if it's leaving a bunch of people homeless and if it's wrecking lives like this and failing to provide a a, a living wage or a way for people to get ahead, then it's not the kind of economy we want. So maybe that happens. Maybe elect Trump, he's got the GOP Senate, he's got the GOP House, he's, uh, well, maybe they get the Senate. But uh, yeah, maybe that just crashes America to rock bottom and we can recover and, and join the rest of like the Western democracies into some sort of hybrid of capitalism and socialism, right? See, the way I see it is that, you know, organisms you know, they want to survive and it's survival of the fittest. And in a healthy ecosystem, the little things get eaten by the big things and the big, you know, the little things eat the plants and the big things eat the little things and the bigger things eat the big things. But then something eventually has to prey on the big things, whether it be disease or, you know, in the case of a, 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 a ecosystem run amok where there's too many predators, they eventually starve because there's not enough prey and so on, right? There's that balance in nature, from the littlest microbe all the way up through the food chain and then back down again, right? There's a cycle. Pure capitalism doesn't recognize that. Pure capitalism is this pure growth thing that just continues to grow like, you know, amoebas in a Petri dish or whatever. And just like when the predators overpopulate and they have nothing left to prey on, the capitalists left to overpopulate have no consumers left. (laughs) We wipe out all the consumer base. The, The best capitalism ever ran was from ni- about 1940 to 1960s, 1970, when workers were getting paid and people were making money and could buy a house and support a family on one income. That was the best possible capitalism, right? Because it had an extreme redistribution of wealth. There was something in the ecosystem, Eisenhower's 91% tax rates or whatever you want to have it, that, that, that acted to bring back the predators back into the system, the, the, the winners back. And, and that's just so lacking right now. So I'm hoping it's Trump Sanders, because if America picks Trump, then we end up in that capitalist crash, you know, and maybe people are ready for Elizabeth Warren in 2020. But if we get Sanders elected and he moves forward with this agenda. Now, I'm not so naive as to think that it's going to happen immediately. Like Sanders gets elected and suddenly there's, you know, public health care for everyone. But it installs the idea that, no, goddammit, the people have spoken and that's what they want and we better start working to have it or you're going to lose your congressional seat. And then in in an election wave or two, then we start making that progress that we need to make. But a strong stand needs to be made by the American people to finally say, this is enough of this type of politics. We can't keep going like this anymore. And I think Bernie Sanders on the ticket will actually invigorate younger voters and more liberal leaning democratic voters and, and voters who've been sitting out. And if it's Trump Sanders, I think there's a large degree of Republicans who would do anything to prevent Trump from being the president. And some of those more moderate, like socially liberal Republicans who are fiscal conservatives and all, believe it or not, I think they could be swayed over to Bernie's side. Once you point out that a company like Walmart or McDonald's 
is being socially socially subsidized as it is when they don't pay their workers enough money to to live and we've got to buy food stamps for these people and rent control for these people we're subsidizing Walmart we're subsidizing McDonald's when that when those messages start to sink in I think it can be a, a, a large crossover and the polls are showing it with Bernie having a commanding lead over Trump in a head-to-head election compared to Hillary Clinton you want to see turnout at the lowest levels of her presidential election ever, nominate Hillary Clinton. <laughs> like nine out of 10 Republicans hate her and two out of 10 Democrats hate her. She's got untrustworthy numbers all the way in the three out of five range. Nobody's going to want to vote for someone perceived to be untrustworthy, unliked, and currently under FBI investigation for top secret emails. Ah, Sometimes I just have to talk politics, folks, even without any marijuana in it whatsoever. But this does have a lot to do with marijuana because President Bernie Sanders is the only one who's talking about descheduling marijuana, getting the federal government out of marijuana altogether by taking it out of the controlled substances list. That's what needs to happen. Man, I'm not going to any more of these bullshit Puno parties. All right, Mr. President, he's kind of getting loose now in the last uh, last year of his term. Hey, folks, it's 420 here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. I've got me a vape pen hanging out here. Let's enjoy that. I hope you've got something as well. Talk to you in another 90 seconds while we pay some bills. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. 
Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour. Our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. I had somebody on the line there just a second ago. I don't know if you can hear the uh, background music and stuff. Maybe that's it. When you're calling in, if you're not hearing uh, the commercial, it's just quiet. And so you don't know. See if I can get that figured out, maybe. It was someone from the 360 area code. If you're still out there, go ahead and call in. The line is open. Got an update here from the state of Oregon where our Senate has given the green light to Senate Bill 1511. Tuesday cleared the Senate on an 18 to 10 vote. And it's uh, it's kind of controversial, but it really shouldn't be. Uh, but I'm... I'm a bit of an outlier on this subject as far as the Oregon marijuana community goes. Maybe I'm not. Maybe more people agree with me than I think, but maybe it's just the people I hang out with, right? See, medical marijuana, as we've said many times, is an exception to criminal prosecution. But since medical marijuana has existed now for 17 years in Oregon and you know over a decade many other places, medical marijuana became its own thing became its own movement and its own industry. And now, as marijuana is becoming legalized, medical marijuana is fighting to remain its own special little pocket, its own special little cul-de-sac of regulations and privileges as compared to just plain old legalization. And there's a lot of changes that are happening, which, of course, the medical marijuana advocates inevitably blame legalization for, which is not really fair because legalization doesn't change medical. It just removes the entire reason you needed to have the exemption in the first place. It's not that it changes medical. It renders medical less pertinent as a policy. And we're starting to see this now in Oregon as the legislature is basically an and as far as I'm concerned, not too subtly merging these two systems. And the medical people hate it. Oh, they're just screaming bloody murder over this. But folks, it's just, it's got to be. See, here, here's the bill that just passed. Senate Bill 1511 says that in a recreational shop, you can buy medical pot tax-free. If you got your OMMP card at a rec shop, you can buy tax-free pot there. Currently in Oregon at the dispensaries, we've got this early sales bill. The early sales bill allows all adults like me to go buy pot at the dispensary. Now there's a special tax. It's a 25% tax you're paying. And I can only buy a quarter ounce. I can't buy a full ounce, right? There's some limitation to it. Another bill is going to make it so that when I, the healthy adult, go into the medical dispensary, I can also buy the edibles, the tinctures that I haven't yet been able to buy. So if you're going to have a pot shop where patients can shop tax-free and you're going to have a dispensary where adults can shop for all the products, what's the point of having the two separate buildings? 
And that's what's going – that's where they're pushing this. They're pushing this to the point where the, the people have to look at it and go, yeah, you're right. It is absurd to have two separate buildings under two separate regulatory uh, agencies, Oregon Health Authority in the case of medical, OLCC, Oregon Liquor Control Commission in the, in the case of recreational, two separate buildings with two separate regulatory agencies that get their product from two separate sources – that then test it at two separate testers, testers and process it two, through two separate processors, and then then it's at the two different stores that anybody could shop at either of them. <laughs> there's just there's no way that's tenable. There's no way that can remain. And I predicted this long ago. I remember having numerous discussions with a couple lawyer friends about this, saying, "Look, here's what it needs to be: one." Regulatory agency specifically focused on cannabis. Don't split this with the Liquor Control Commission and have them running liquor and cannabis. Come up with a separate commission that only runs cannabis and stock it with people that actually know something about cannabis. I'll guarantee you none of the people on the Oregon Liquor Control Commission have smoked a joint in the past decade, probably. If they've ever smoked at all. So have, get yourself an, an agency that only runs cannabis. Have that run all the producers, all the processors, all the testers, and all the retailers. One system for producing, processing, and selling cannabis. Now, at this point, this is where people say, well, what about the, what about the medical growers who are growing for, for six or seven or 12 or 15 patients, and, and then they want to use the excess to be able to sell to the dispensaries? Wait a minute. That's where you got to stop. The whole thing about the grower and the caregiver taking care of the patient in a, was, was always supposed to be a not-profit kind of thing. It was always supposed to be that. And it evolved into these guys selling their so-called excess to dispensaries, which really the excess, when we talk about the excess, under the medical law, the patients own the six plants and all the harvest that comes from those six plants. So these growers are getting to sell something that they don't own. The patient has to has to actually sign over the excess for these guys to sell to the dispensaries. And that's that's the little cottage industry they want to keep afloat. Being able to be not inspected and no security cams and I'm just growing my dozen or two dozen plants and I'm harvesting and giving my patients free weed, maybe an ounce or two every month. And then I take the rest of that stuff and sell it all the dispensaries. Now I don't have to worry a whole lot about taxes and a bunch of paperwork and all that. I'm just taking weed into the guy and the guy's giving me money and it's all good. And that's what they want to keep running. And I'm sorry. That just can't be. Now, when this cannabis commission comes up with ways for these dispensaries to be supplied and who can be producers, I'm all for sort of micro licensing, like what they've got in the adult use of marijuana act in California. You can actually be a micro business. You are your own grower, your own processor, your own wholesaler. So yeah, the little family farmer guy, the little guy growing for six to eight or 12 patients can still do his thing and be a micro business, but it's licensed and it's registered and it's regulated and it's taxed because you're making money off of it. If it was just about the compassion and helping the patients, 
Great. Stick with that. Grow for your four patients. Supply them marijuana. But if you want to engage in the commerce of marijuana, it needs to all be under one thing. Because if it's not, you set up separate but equal. And you set up a situation that will entice people to game the medical system to be able to get the special sweetheart deal that the medical side gets that the recreational side doesn't get. So just keep it under one thing, and it can be different levels of licensing. We can have it down to the micro-grow level, no problem, but have one set of rules and regulations. The only thing Oregon Health Authority needs to do is to maintain a voluntary registry of patients and issue cards so that when that person takes the card to the state pot shop, the state, no, I shouldn't say state pot shop like the state's running it, but I mean, you know, the one the one retail outlet that we have, when they take that card, they can get their purchase tax-free. That's it. That's all, the, that's all OHA needs to be doing is issuing cards for people and they get their purchases tax-free. They can purchase more. They have a greater possession limit. I'm still all for that. Sure. Let the patients keep their 24 ounces. Sure. I understand the need for that. So your card means greater possession limit. And that does lead to, you know, some people wanting to game the system too, who might want to have a lot more weed or whatever. But, you know, at some point you have to accept that the patients do need more and that's worth it, right? Now, sometimes I, I get on this tangent and people talk about, well, what about the Eastern Oregon that, that ban all the pot shops? There's no reason why that we can't have the one, we can, we can set this up legislatively. So that at minimum, per county or however you want to set it up, there has to be at least one pot shop per county, but those pot shops can be restricted to only medical sales. And that's, again, where those cards come in, right? So, so in effect, we get the same thing we got right now, where there's some dispensaries in these eastern counties where there can't be pot shops. We get the same effect. They're just all regulated under one system. And the only thing, it's not a different building or a different license. It's just whether or not what's, what's your access. Basically, we make it so that the eastern counties can ban people without medical cards from going to the pot shop. That's all. But it's still the same pot shop that any other pot shop would be. That's the way I think this needs to go because I just can't see how you would have separate systems like this. And we want to... Uh, we want to just, I just want to see it streamlined and I, I, I want to see it work smoothly and, and, and be a model for some other states. This thing in Colorado where you go into a building, I was in one in Fort Collins where you walk in and there's, there's a divider and this and on the left, it says medical and on the right, it says recreational, but behind the glass are jars of the same strains. Literally, I looked over and there's a jar of super silver haze there on the medical side. I look over, there's a jar of super silver haze over there on the recreational. But both of those super silver hazes came from two different plants that came through two entirely separate production lines. And the medical never crossed over into the recreational. The recreational never crossed over into the medical. You couldn't take a clone from your super silver haze plant on the uh, medical side and then Use that to propagate over on the recreational side. Nope, seed to sale, can't do that. <laughs> it's just insane. The medical marijuana people are going to have to recognize that medical marijuana was a 
temporary measure. It was a tactic in this war against prohibition. And now that the war against prohibition is being won, the more it's won, the less we need the medical marijuana tactic anymore. Because the end result of medical marijuana, folks, is the pharmacies. That's where medical marijuana ends up, is in pharmacies, with precision-controlled aerosols and, and inhalers and pills and creams and tinctures and suppositories. That's where medical marijuana ends up. And uh, yeah, our chat room reminds me that the real problem is the pot lobby trying to pull all the strings to the benefit of the few of their biggest donors. Yes, it is definitely a pay-to-play environment going on right now as far as the lobbying goes, and I could get into some of the names, but no need to do that right now. (laughs) It's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out, but I think it eventually shakes out to be one system, one streamlined system, and we go for there. Jackie Newberry asks, how could Bill Clinton claim he didn't like marijuana if he didn't inhale? Well, Christopher Hitchens, who went to Oxford with Bill Clinton, once wrote that uh, Bill Clinton was a big fan of the Alice B. Toklas brownies. Didn't like smoking, but he liked the brownies. So when he said he never did it again, it didn't mean marijuana. It meant smoking. He was clever with those two-letter words. It depends on what the meaning of the word it is. I did not smoke that marijuana. Be back in 60 seconds. Oh, 90 seconds. Pardon me. Eh, 110. <laughs> Be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, two minutes. Back in two minutes. <laughs> shooting past a thousand degrees fahrenheit it's burning up i'm afraid for this little guy it's just too late what caused the problem only dr dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth tasting slower burn this standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits sending it up in smoke so you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke not vapor correct keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to dr dabber doctor's order less heat (laughs) more flavor Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. 
Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 39 after the hour. Heading out to Fort Worth, Texas. I'll be there Friday doing a live show from Fort Worth and then uh, covering the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. I love that we're getting more and more of these conferences in less pot-friendly places in America. Can't help but change people's minds as they start to learn more about us and this industry and you know there's there's kind of a, a diminishing returns when it comes to legalizing pot too like if you're the 10th state to legalize pot then that's you know pretty good for you but if you're the 45th state then you know who cares people have already you know found their pot <laughs> so i think there's going to be after california falls this election and the other nine states or the other five states that I think will fall for, you know, I think we'll have legalization in California, Arizona, Nevada, and uh, Massachusetts and Maine. I think those five states will fall. Uh, Maine may be the closest one. I think Massachusetts is a lock, I think. Um, Arizona may be close. Nevada, I think, will win. California, I think, will win. Uh, then we've got medical. Looks like it's going to be coming up in Ohio and Missouri and Florida. And Arkansas going for it right now. And Idaho's got a, a petition drive. I, I don't know that they'll get, get it in Idaho because they got to get it from such disparate, you know, they have to go to each like voting precinct or something like that and get a certain amount. But that could be five states with going for medical. I think for sure Florida uh, will make the ballot and will pass it this time. I think Arkansas, whether or not it makes the ballot, we'll see. I think Ohio will make the ballot, and if it makes the ballot, it passes for sure. Ohio and Florida, I think, are locks for medical marijuana. And that could have a huge impact on our presidential race because Ohio and Florida are those you know, couple swing states that a Republican needs to win if he wants to win the White House. And as it's looking to become Donald Trump as the uh, Republican nominee, Trump's been kind of, you know, he's been pro-medical marijuana as far as I can tell for most of his uh, career, whatever the hell that is. Uh, and I think, you know, with the prospect of Florida and Ohio being on the ballot with medical marijuana, and he's he's no dummy as far as being able to sense what the people want, I think he can be very strongly medical marijuana in those states and outflank, let's say it's Hillary Clinton that gets nominated, Right. He can outflank Hillary Clinton on the medical marijuana issue because she's always been so lukewarm on it. Oh, we need more studies. I think he'll jump all over that. So I, I think it'll be very, very uh, interesting for Florida and Ohio coming up in this, uh, this election. Now, there's an interesting story coming out of the Associated Press that I wanted to talk about. Tourist pot complaints up at Colorado emergency rooms. And it explains how there's a study of a hospital near the Denver International Airport 
for 2014, when recreational pot became legal, they checked out emergency room admissions and they've published the results here in the New England Journal of Medicine. And they found that the rate of emergency room visits possibly related to marijuana doubled among out-of-state residents in the first year of recreational pot sales. Doubled. Now, here's where you have to have some perspective. The rate went from 85 per 10,000 in 2013 to 168 per 10,000. Okay, so 168 per 10,000 is 16.8 per thousand is 1.68 per hundred. So that's 1.68%. We're talking about a really low rate, even as is. So it went from 0.85% to 1.68%. So less, still, you know, one out of a hundred people, one and a half out of a hundred <laughs> are going to the ER for weed. Now, among the Colorado residents, on the other hand, the rate didn't really change that much. Went from 106 per 10,000 to 112 per 10,000. And this played out statewide. They looked through the Colorado Hospital Association. They found out-of-state residents from uh, their hospitals went from 78 per 10,000 in 2012 to 112 per 10,000 in 2013 to 163 per 10,000 in 2014 for out-of-state residents. 78 to 112 to 163 over the span of those years. But for Colorado residents, it went 61 to 70 to 86 to 101. Now, some of the reasoning behind this would be that the out-of-staters are noobs. People in Colorado that are smoking weed have been smoking weed. But you're going to get Nebraskans and Kansans and Oklahomans and all these noobs, Utahns, (laughs) Coming into Colorado and getting a hold of some really good dank or worse, eating an edible and not knowing to go slow and take some time. And they get freaked out and they end up going to the hospital. The most common ailment by visitors was psychiatric. Um, that was for the visitors. They said the Coloradoans, the in-state people, the most common reaction was gastrointestinal. They stomach hurt, right? But for the out-of-staters, it was psychiatric, aggressive behavior and hallucinations. Men were two to three times more likely than women to complain of cannabis-related ailments. And it was a median age of 35 and a half. So I think looking at this, what it really has to be, again, is it's a noob factor. It's people coming in and thinking, oh my God, weed's legal. I can't wait to try weed. Oh, weed is, I heard so much about weed. It'd be great. Oh, the Colorado weed. And then they end up overdoing it. And because it's legal, now they can go to an emergency room and talk about it and not worry about getting busted for possession. So it's part more people, you know, tourists coming in and using it, but it's also part that now that it's legal, you can actually say something about it. And that was, uh, Dr. Andrew Monty, the toxicologist and ER physician at University of Colorado Hospital in Aurora, said the increase has two likely explanations. More people using pot and more patients fessing up about using pot to doctors because it's illegal or because it's legal. People can come in and say, hey, I've got chest pains and I used marijuana a week ago. Now that's got nothing to do with marijuana, but now more people are willing to admit this kind of thing. And of course, here toward the end, they say none of the cases were fatal. Well, of course, 
And um, Colorado's made a ton of money on this already, and they're part of it from the tax revenue has funded this campaign called Good to Know. And the campaign is to educate people on going slow, <laughs> starting low, taking it easy. Apparently, we need more information out to these people. And part of the problem is, is that Colorado can't advertise this out of state to other people. You can't drop a tourism ad in Nebraska that says, hey, if you're coming to Colorado to enjoy some cannabis, make sure you start low and go slow, right? It's it's just not going to fly in Nebraska or Oklahoma or something like that. But that's where it needs to be played. That's where people need to be hearing this before they get in the car and and drive across I-80 into Denver. Uh, And another story before we wind... Before we run out of time here, back to Canada for a second. Mike Adams reports in High Times that uh, Canada's largest pharmacy chain wants to sell medical marijuana. It's a place called Shoppers Drug Mart. Shoppersdrugmart.ca. And currently, medical marijuana patients in Canada can only get their marijuana by mail order from the government approved processors, but shoppers drug Mart is in negotiations with cannabis producers all over Canada to try to find a deal where they could sell generic versions of marijuana branded with the shoppers name at over 1300 pharmacies across 10 provinces. Executives have been engaged in meetings with the federally licensed pot producers. And the idea is for trained pharmacists, to dispense cannabis medicine. Tammy Smitham, company spokesperson, told the Globe and Mail, quote, pharmacists are medication experts and play a significant role in the prescribing and monitoring of medication to ensure safe and optimal use. We believe that dispensing medical marijuana through pharmacies, like other medications, is the safest option, end quote. Just like I always said, man, that's where the medical marijuana box canyon takes you is to the pharmacy. Having pharma- Oh, you said it was a medicine. Oh, medicine? Well, pharmacists dispense medicine, don't they? Generically branded medicine. They'll treat cannabis like, yo, know, it's just a pill. Something generic that we can give you. No consideration as to what's a strain <laughs> or the need for the whole plant because they won't be selling the plant in the dispensary. It'll be oils. It'll be edible products. For this to happen, they need to get a distribution license from Health Canada, but uh, there'd have to be a few other things that Canadian government would have to adjust. Right now, like I said, medical marijuana is sold only online through mail order. And we shall see. Uh, You know, the liberal government there in Canada has pledged to legalize recreational cannabis. I can't imagine that you'd have a situation where recreational cannabis would move forward in Canada in Canada with retail distribution, you know, stores and medical not having a store. Medical's going to have to come from someplace. And so what I'm think if this plays out, you might have a situation where at the pot store in Canada, you can't buy edibles or tinctures or salves or concentrates 
it might turn out that the only thing you could buy at a Canadian pot store would be bud. Because that would be considered the recreational marijuana would be just the bud. And, and patients that want to use whole plant would have to shop at the rec shop and pay taxes. Because if they wanted medical, why? They could go to the shopper's drug mart and use, use their Health Canada to be able to get the actual medical, the salves and the tinctures that they're going to consider medical. Now, I don't know for sure if that's the way it's going to turn out, but just prognosticating. And so far, I've been right on a lot of these things. So let's see. Oh, and speaking of Canada, I, I have to give a big shout out to Kirk Tusaw, a friend of mine, Canadian lawyer, uh, saw him a few months ago with, um, uh, he's the one that brought, uh, he's the one that brought Mark Stepnoski to my house. <laughs> first in, uh, first NFL Super Bowl winner that I've ever had at my home. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Kirk's a great guy up there in Vancouver, Washington. Just won that case about uh, medical marijuana grow rights. So I'm going to give him a send him an email and see if we can get him on the show to discuss in detail what happened with that. Looking forward to that. Great guy. And I'm looking forward to getting to Vancouver sometime. I know the uh, International Cannabis Business Conference will be in Vancouver in October, so I'm likely to be there. And in Berlin, Germany next April... A year from this April. I've already got my uh, passport. I'm ready to go to Germany. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll wrap things up because we got to get off the air for Stoner Jesus to take over here on CannabisRadio.com at the top of the hour. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Mm-hmm. 
new beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks, Dan Michaels. Remember, Stoner Jesus coming up at the top of the hour. And as we close things out, we're looking forward to South Carolina and uh, its Democratic primary, where Hillary Clinton holds a huge lead amongst African-American voters who make up some 50% of the electorate there. But uh, Bernie Sanders is fighting back, and I wanted to play for you this ad that Spike Lee has dropped for Bernie Sanders. Check it out. Wake up! Wake up, South Carolina! This is your dude, Spike Lee, and I know that you know the system is rigged. For too long, we've given our votes to corporate puppets. Sold the okey-doke. 99% of Americans were hurt by the Great Recession of 2008, and many are still recovering. And that's why I'm officially endorsing my brother, Bernie Sanders. Bernie takes no money for corporations. Nada. Which means he is not on the take. And when Bernie gets in the White House, he will do the right thing. How can we be sure? Bernie was at the March on Washington with Dr. King. He was arrested in Chicago for protesting segregation and public schools. He fought for wealth and education equality throughout his whole career. No flipping, no flopping. Enough talk. Time for action. Hey, Bernie from Brooklyn, talk to the folks. I'm Bernie Sanders, Democratic candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Bernie 2016, not the billionaires. My name is Hamilton Grant. Brianta Booker Maxwell. My name is Gloria Bromel Tinubu. I'm Willie Oh, there we go. Can't play it all, but uh, Spike Lee for Bernie Sanders. Thanks, Spike. That's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. Coming up in just three minutes, the Stoner Jesus Show is live here on CannabisRadio.com. We'll be back tomorrow with more news and interviews you can use for the cannabis community with our Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment. We'll be speaking with former law enforcement who say it's time to legalize marijuana. And we've got a special guest coming up on the Friday show. I've got to uh, finalize that booking before I can tell you who it is, but it'd be pretty nice if we get that booking. Also, uh, we'll get some more details from Mason Tavert about that Ohio medical marijuana plan as soon as I can. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Rolla J Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes.